to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. I'm going to springboard from Ephesians 2.10 and today delve into as well a part of the narrative of Moses in the, and the Israelites that I wasn't able to share a few weeks back when I preached Moments That Matter. But it, it, I haven't been able to shake this, this part of the narrative for Moses and the Israelites. And I believe it's going to be a catalyst f- for us today to step into the there is more that God has for us. Not only to see that there is more, but to also step into it. And a common question that you and I as humans ask in all sorts of contexts is, is there more? Is there more to life? Is there more coming in my pay packet this week? Are there more seasons on Netflix of my favourite series coming? Is there more we can do to help that family member or friend who's doing it tough? And of course, when we have people over for dinner, friends or family members, and we're cooking and providing food, the question is always asked, is there more? And now, it's, it's one of my gifts, gifts, or should I say curses, that I'm a bit of an over-caterer. Any other over-caterers out there? Bless you. And so the question when people come over and ask, is there more, it doesn't generally phase me. Now, those of you out there, don't put your hands up. Those of you who are out there who have the other gift, who sit maybe on the just enough under-catering area, that question, is there more, it might send shivers down your spine. When someone comes and asks, is there more, and you know you just made enough, that question is going to cause palpitations. Fear will grip you and you will secretly think, as soon as that person leaves my home, they're getting on Facebook and they're going to out me as an undercaterer. One of the worst things we could be called. But I have to say that lately I have been getting more palpitations at the question, is there more, at our family dinner table because that question is being asked more and more by my son Harrison. He's almost 11, he's growing his appetite has exploded, and I, I love food, you can tell. And so growing up, I've always had to fight for the leftovers. I had a younger brother, a couple of years younger than me, but he, he uh, had the same appetite for food, and there was always a fight on for the leftovers. But it seems like the last, you know, since I got married, the last 15 so, or so, 16 so years, I haven't had to fight for the leftovers. Karen's always been like, yeah, you go for it. And now there's a fight on my hands. And so I dread now that that question that is asked, is there more? And because I know that the battle's on. And look, I have, I have recently come to my senses and realised that he probably needs it more than I do. And I have relented and he has had the more. Is there more? As Christians, as followers of Jesus, at some point and with some level of regularity, we will ask God that same question. Is there more? Is there more to salvation than what we're currently experiencing? Is there more forgiveness to come? Is there, is there more to this new life that you talk about? Is, is there more to know and experience of you, God? And maybe early on in our journey with God, and some of us might be early on in our journey with God here 
This morning, everything is new and fresh and exciting. Salvation is incredible. You mean I don't have to carry that guilt and shame of sin anymore? I'm forgiven. The slate has been wiped free. Uh, the slate has been wiped, um, wiped free. Wiped clean. I'm free now. I'm loved unconditionally. I don't need to earn my salvation. I don't need to work to earn the favor and the love of God. Salvation is amazing when we first step into it. And we dive into church, and church is awesome. We dive into the Word of God, and it might be a little bit confusing, but it's awesome. And we dive into prayer, and prayer is awesome, and into connect group, and we get water baptized, and it's all happening. And as the years go by... We can get comfortable. We can settle into a salvation lifestyle where, yeah, Jesus is firmly our saviour as he should be. But then the question comes, is there more? Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. Paul, in his letter to a young and vibrant church community in Ephesus, he's responding to that same question, is there more? And he responds with a resounding, yes, there is more. We have been saved from sin and death. We've been made brand new. We are God's masterpiece. Jesus is our saviour. That is incredible. We've been set free from the past, from the old, what has held us back. We have relationship with God. That's incredible. We have the assurance of eternal life. But there's more. But there's more. We've been saved from sin and death, made brand new for a reason. For a reason. We've been saved from that thing for a purpose, for a reason. So you and I can make a difference. So you and I can live beyond. So you and I can fulfill our God-given purpose. So that we can live a life to the full. So we can do good Works and, and Jesus not only wants you and I to call him Savior, he not only wants us to thank him f- for saving us from something, he wants us to call him Lord and obediently step into what he has saved us for. There is more. There is more of His presence. There is more of a release of the gifts of the Spirit. There are more miracles. There is more to see. There is more to step into. There's an abundance of His blessing for us and through us. There is more freedom and more fullness to step into. And the people of Israel, they knew freedom. God delivered them from slavery in Egypt. They did it through miraculous, unbelievable circumstances. All of a sudden, after 400 years of slavery, that bondage was broken and they were free. Amazing. But the people of Israel lost sight of what they were saved for. They lost sight of the more for them. 
There was more for the people of Israel. There was more than freedom from slavery. They were free from something for something. They were to use their freedom for a purpose, to step into a promised land where their influence and impact on the world could spread, where they could truly become the nation that God showed Abraham that they would be blessed to be a blessing. There was more. But most of them didn't see it. They went through and around the wilderness for 40 years. They wanted to go back to slavery, back to Egypt on multiple occasions. And ultimately, a whole generation of Israelites, the very people who had walked on dry ground through the Red Sea, didn't get to walk onto the land, the promised land that God had for them. And astonishingly enough, Moses himself, this great leader, this great deliverer, also ended up being counted as one of those who didn't physically walk into the promised land. This is perplexing. This is confusing. This man who was so close to God, this man who was so faithful to God was prevented from the more. And in a seemingly harsh way, just before the people of Israel, after the, the whole generation that had gone through and gone out of slavery had died out and this new generation had risen up just before these people, led by Joshua, were about to take hold of the promised land into the moor. And right at the end of Moses' life, God actually gives Moses a glimpse of what he's missing out on. Seems harsh. Deuteronomy 34 Verse 1, then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea. The Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zohar, the whole land. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. That seems harsh, God. Come on. Why wasn't this incredible person who had done so much for the people of Israel allowed to cross over into the promised land? Let's go to Numbers Verse 20, here Moses and the Israelites are over 38 years into their wilderness journey. They're within touching distance of the promised land. They've gone through so much already and they continue, unfortunately, to complain and display a lack of trust in God. Numbers 20 from verse 2. Now there was no water for the community. The people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock would die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grains or figs, grape vines or pomegranates. We all love pomegranates. And there's no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and they fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. 
The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he, as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered in the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. Verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honour me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. What? That's it? Really, God? Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock? Please don't strike me down, God, but that that seems petty. That seems pedantic. That seems picky. The water still came. The people were provided for. The outcome was good. Isn't it all about the outcome? But a bit like becoming wealthy from insider trading or tax evasion. Taxes are coming, tax returns, get them in. Although the outcome on the surface may be good, the means entailed a level of scheming, of dodginess, of disobedience that isn't right. You know, to God, the end doesn't justify the means. To God, obedience to him, to his word, to his teaching is paramount. It's super important to God that we obey. And we can see examples of this all through the scriptures. Obedience trumps sacrifice. It trumps a good outcome. It pretty much trumps everything because obedience speaks to trust. Obedience to God leads to Him, not us, being honoured. His name being elevated more than any other name. And in this instance, with Moses striking the rock, trust and honour wasn't given to God, but to Moses. All because of his disobedience. But can I say this morning that there is more as you and I obey. As you and I heed God as we heed his commands in the Bible, as we heed the Holy Spirit prompting us to move forward into his plans for our lives, as well as as when we heed his warning for us to retreat from sinful and damaging circumstances, as you and I heed wise counsel from mature people in our lives, as we obey, God is honoured, trust is built, and we step into the more that God has for us. In our, our, uh, in our obedience journey, we ask, we, it's good for us to ask these questions. How has God called me to live? How has he called you and I to live? It's pretty clear through the word of God. He's called us to love him and love others. To forgive, to not judge. To bear with one another in love. For wives to respect husbands. For husbands to love wives. For children to obey parents. For us to look after those around us who are doing it 
tough, for us to turn the other cheek, to tell the truth, to not gossip, to flee from sin, to be generous, to show integrity, to be sexually pure, to not get drunk, to reach out and share the good news of Jesus. The list goes on. Am I obeying how God wants me to live? When I stumble, not if, but when, how do I respond? Do I get back up and ask for help or do I sink deeper? Another question on our obedience journey is what has God called me to? What has he called me to? What are the dreams and the purposes and the plans that God has put in our heart, in our spirit? Am I obeying that call? Am I stepping out into it? Am I positioning myself where I can take a hold of the more that God has for me? But more importantly, the question that's really important on our obedience journey to ask is who is leading my life? Am I or is God? Because this, the whole deal of living how God wants us to live, the whole deal of stepping out into the purpose and call that God has As for us, it kind of becomes this dry, legalistic slog, not to mention unattainable, if we're leading our lives instead of him leading our lives. Who is getting the honour when things are going great? Who's getting the blame when things aren't going great? I think we have those two the wrong way sometimes. But I have this rising level of confidence, church, that you and I are in a season where God is moving. He has more for us and he wants you and I to step in and to create a new normal as we move and follow, as we seek him, as we invite him to come close, as we obey him with a renewed vigour. God is calling you and I to fully surrendered, radical obedience. And on top of that, he's giving us the strength. He's empowering us by his spirit to be able to do it. Promises that you and I have let go of, that now is the time to pick up again. That dream activated. That lifestyle shift that will bring a more focused orientation towards God. It's time. There is more as you and I obey. And maybe we we know, we're sitting here this morning, we know we haven't allowed God to lead our lives. We haven't been walking in obedience. It's good just to own that. And to do what we need to do to repent, to come before God, to repent, to give Him leadership afresh of our lives. And to receive his love and forgiveness and his empowering to step out for the more. A life of obedience to God is amazing, but it's not easy. We can and we do stumble. Let's look at what caused Moses to stumble in his obedience after obeying God for so many years. Firstly, Moses listened to the other voices. The people were quarreling. What is your quarrel? They were complaining. They were getting up in Moses and Aaron's grill and they weren't happy. And God speaks to Moses. Moses hears the voice of God and he's obedient to a degree. 
But the other voices, they, they, they were loud. The other voices kept rising. They were urgent. They were demanding. The other voices had a need and they just wanted the outcome. They just wanted to be satisfied. These voices, voices, voices. And Moses reacted. He buckled to those voices with terrible consequences. What other voices are vying for you and I or you and our obedience? What other voices are in our world wanting a reaction? What other voices are in our world putting pressure on us to limit God and what He can do? What or who is preying on our weariness in doing good, in following God with all of our hearts? There is a battle for your and I attention, for your and my obedience. Voices, voices, flesh, sinful, worldly voices that say, look, I've got this here and this thing here. That, no, no, it's not what God wants for you, but this thing here, you know what? It's actually going to ease the pain. Come on, just take a, it's going to satisfy, I promise you. I promise you, it'll satisfy you. Come on, just take it. To, I need to be fulfilled. I need to be satisfied right now. It's going to ease the pain, those voices. Voices of other people who say, why would you bother with this God stuff? Come on. Come to your senses. We're living in 2019 for crying out loud. Don't be so serious about this. This dream that you've got, it's not going to happen. Voices. Voices of the busyness of life. I don't have time for God. I can't get to church every week. I can't spend time with you. He can't be a pro. There's too much going on. Fear. Voices of fear that say, you can't trust God. It's not going to work out. You're going to try and you're going to fail because you can't trust God. Voices that we tell ourselves, negative self-talk. You can't do what God says you can. You're too lazy. You're too angry. You're too sinful. You're too young. You're too old. You're past it. But can I say again today that there is more than other voices. God's voice is what matters most. God says that regardless of ability, regardless of your looks, regardless of your shaved head, your shaved beard, or your age, you're not only His child, but He trusts you to take a hold of the call He has for your life, to take His message to this lost and broken world. He trusts you. You are able. And as we position ourselves... As we give God time and space to highlight parts of the Word of God to us, to speak to us by His Holy Spirit through prayer, through teaching and preaching on podcasts and otherwise voices, as we allow His voice to rise, His voice will become clearer, become clearer. We will be able to focus more clearly on what He has to say. We'll be in tune with Him and we'll be able to step out. And for people here in your... In the 56 plus generation, can I say you're not past it? If Pastor Cherry can do a Turbo Beyond recap, you can do anything. And keep clapping if you want. I read a, t- <laughs> I read a tweet this week that, that talked about how age does not reduce creativity. As we get older, creativity doesn't actually drop off. 
and that many influential people created some of their most important works after the age of 55. And I'm like, yeah, that's a tweet, so I don't know if that's true. So I did a bit of research. And so I went to the old trusty, trusty Google. And uh, who loves KFC? Everyone's too ashamed to put their hand up. Everybody loves a good bit of KFC. Come on. Colonel Sanders. Don't. don't. Just agree with me, please. <laughs> Colonel Sanders created KFC. He started KFC at 65. It just wouldn't look the same if he didn't look old on that bucket. <laughs> Peter Roger, or Roger, invented this, this, the thesaurus. Can you turn to the person next to you and try to say the thesaurus? Oh, it's just me that stuffed it. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to prove to you that I can do it because there is more. Peter Roger invented the thesaurus at 73. That is brilliant and extraordinary and wonderful and... A lot of other different words. You didn't get it. Um, Judy, Judy Dench, she received all nine of her Oscar nominations after she turned 60. And she won at the age of 64. And so that voice, 56 plus generation that says, you're done, is not the voice of God. There is more for you than other voices that would be in opposition to the voice of God to us. The other major stumbling block to Moses, for Moses, in his eventual disobedience was the past. Why did he strike the rock with his staff when God asked him to speak to it in order for water to come out? It's because he'd done it before. Earlier on in their wilderness journey, not long after their deliverance from slavery, a similar instance occurred. This time, though, with the generation before. Exodus 17, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, travelling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rep- Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink, so they quarrelled. What is your quarrel? There's so much quarreling with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? History kind of repeating, generation repeating the words of their forefathers. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. Moses had done this before. And so the second time it happened, instead of listening and obeying what God had asked him to do, Moses is like, yep, God, I've got this. I've done it before. Can you just move out the way so I can sort this? And he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. Moses disobeyed God because he looked back. 
The past loomed large. He was comfortable with what had already happened and he missed out on what God wanted to make happen. The old took priority over the new. Comfort took priority over change. The familiar took priority over faith. And how often can you and I get preoccupied with what God has or hasn't done in the past that we miss out on what God wants to do in the future? And we're like, God, can you just move out the way I got this? I've done this before. And in that moment, you and I are limiting the incredible power of God moving in our lives. There is more than the past. There is more for you and I than the past. There is more for you and I and this church across our locations. There is more at Ascend Sunday nights going forward. God is moving. There is more that God wants to show you and I as we step up and step out and and establish new personal devotional habits, as we step into things like seasons of fasting. There is more than what has been. Let an expectation rise in your heart and my heart that we haven't yet seen the pinnacle of what God is doing on planet earth. There is more. There is more with a fifth location just launched and first time decisions at that location. There is more through beyond. There's more in the Pilbara and in Bali and in this community. There's more in our neighborhood. There's more in our plus one thrust. There's more for you and I and it's not behind us. It's not in our past. It's in our future. It's as we step forward. Simon, could you come up and play? Last thought today. Moses missed out on the opportunity to step into the more that God had for him. He, he missed out on the promised land. Other voices and the past conspired to impact his decisions and he disobeyed God. But in that, Moses, incredible man, In that disobedience, in knowing deep down in his spirit that he was never going to be able to walk into that promised land, something that he'd been yearning for and wanting and working towards for so many years, he still remained committed to the promised land being stepped into, for the more to be stepped into for the next generation. He saw that there was more for those who would come after him. He didn't wallow in his disappointment. He focused his energy on readying those for the more that awaited them. And here's him speaking to these people in Deuteronomy 4. The Lord was angry with me because of you. And he solemnly swore that I would not cross the Jordan and enter the good land the Lord your God is giving you as your inheritance. I will die in this land. I will not cross the Jordan. But you are about to cross over and take possession of that good land. And so be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that He's made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in form of anything that the Lord, the, the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. There is more for the next generation. And I've said this before, but I love this church. I love how multi-generational this church, I love how the generations weave and move together in harmony and and interact with each other and make life better for everyone else. And I've graded, I've benefited personally so much from the generation that has gone before me, speaking life and spurring me on and encouraging me in so many ways. And I wanna thank and honour those of you again 
for not giving up, for seeing that there's more, for seeing that there's more for the next generation and for pouring your heart into us. We appreciate you. We thank you. Every word of encouragement, every slap on the back, Graham Waller, every prayer that you've prayed for us, incredible speeches, every time you rock up to prayer meetings, every word of wisdom, every sponsorship you've given for a youth camp, for a conference, it's made a difference. And can I encourage you, continue to do it. Continue to commit to the next generation. Continue to support and share your wisdom and insight. Don't look back. Don't get tied up in the past. Don't allow those voices to say you're too old, to say you're done. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.